0: everyone welcome to another special segment of the scoop and recently on november 11th and 12th in the near campus neighborhood at queen's university queen's university student affairs staff and campus partners embarked on a door-to-door treat yourself student outreach initiative the team practiced social distancing and other safety measures while checking in with students at their homes to see how they are faring with student life and remote learning and also offer them treat bags and information on resources and services available to them from the university. And today, Larissa Mankis, the Project Lead for Support Services and Community Engagement at Queen's University, is with us in the virtual studio today to tell us all about this fabulous initiative. Welcome, Larissa.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to hear about what the folks from your team were doing out in the Treat Yourself Initiative a couple of days ago. But first, tell us what inspired the Treat Yourself Initiative and what the planning process actually looked like in light of, you know, COVID-19.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we at Support Services and Community Engagement in the Division of Student Affairs, we recognize this as an unusual year for students and we wanted to take some time to check in and see how students are doing and answer any of their questions. Um, as students are about to head into exam period, we wanted to share information and resources on campus that could assist them through the next few weeks. Um, And we actually ran a welcome campaign at the start of the school year um, in which we walked door to door sharing information on moving in community relations and living with your housemates during COVID-19. This campaign was a huge success and we realized how much the students enjoyed one on one check ins. So we thought it would be great to do
0: it again. Amazing. Amazing. So how did it all work in practice? Can you share a few highlights too about student responses?
1: Absolutely. So we had a team of about 10 volunteers who were out and about in the neighborhood close to campus. We knocked on doors and delivered resources and treats. Um, As you said earlier, we did prioritize safety measures, we were masked and had hand sanitizers, and we kept our distance, Um, so we would knock uh, on doors, we introduced ourselves, explained the reason for our visit, and ended up having some really meaningful conversations with students about academics and how they're keeping busy and what activities they're enjoying during this time. Um, We made up little bags um, with information about the flu vaccine clinic happening at Student Wellness Services this week. Um, There was mental health resource information, ideas on how to socialize safely. Um, We had a list of online services related to academic supports, and of course, a few small treats. um, And we delivered over 600 bags.
0: Wow, that's a lot. In two days? In two days. Wow. It was quite an effort. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Well, congratulations. Wow, what an achievement for for your team. Okay, so did you gain any insights into the student experience with remote learning? You, You recently told the Queen's Gazette that, quote, the students your team spoke with were happy to see you and appreciated the opportunity to chat about their challenges and successes of the past few months end quote. Can you shed some light on those challenges and successes?
1: Yeah, for sure. So the students seemed really excited to see us. Um, It is not, it's not often that you get a knock or a visitor at the door with a bag of treats. Um, So it was a really, it was a really nice surprise for them. And um, usually a few students would come down to the door and they were curious and eager to chat with us. Um, But they did report, students did report some challenges. Um, The one we heard repeatedly it often was time management. So the issue for many is due to the lack of structured schedules with the asynchronous academics. Um, they also mention the volume and the type of work. So being in front of screens for many hours, it just makes them feel like more work and it's and it's tiring for them. So um, in response, it was great because then we could really share on the spot what could help them. So um, we suggest that students check out all the ways that the student academic success services can help. So um, SAS has one-on-one learning and writing strategy appointments. They have workshops, online resources. Even after over the week of November 23rd, SAS is running its annual Get It Done event. Um, So the Get It Done event is a supported studying. Um, There are online group study sessions, there's Q&A sessions with profs and chance to win prizes. So we encourage students to always check those out. So, um, But if we were looking at the students, the successes of the students and how they're managing, um, we really found that a lot of them were happy to have some on-campus space to study um, at the libraries in Macquarie. Um, many students were uh, taking advantage of athletics and rec and using the art and they're out playing intramurals and they're um, getting outdoors and many also mentioned having like a daily activity with their housemates they're getting out and going for walks. Um, many students said that they're aware of the public health recommendations and they've already gotten their flu vaccine which was great to hear. Um, but really the theme we really heard was that students seemed pretty much accepting that it's a different year and they don't all like it but they understand it and you know it's a global pandemic and everyone is just doing the best they can and and that we're all in this together
0: so with what campus so with what campus partners did student affairs partner and with that what kinds of resources were offered to students you've highlighted some
1: Yeah, so um, with the delivery of 600 bags, that takes quite a team. Um, So we partnered with off-campus housing, uh, Student Experience Office, Faith and Spiritual Life, Student Wellness Services, Sexual Violence Prevention and Response Office, and Student Life and Learning. And uh, these partners provided resources and staff volunteered to take part in in the delivery and the check-ins. So in addition to the resources that were included in the bag, we had some questions from students about, um, you know, outdoor activities and we were able to tell them about the health promotions, new lunchtime walks. Um, There's the outdoor pet therapy and the recreational run club. Um, So we did get questions about access to the library. So we're able to share information about the bookable spaces on Main West and Mack Quarry. The library has now doubled. number of bookable seats available and increase the booking limit so Mm -hmm. um, we encourage students to follow the library on social media because that's the best way to know on the new expansions and the things that are happening Um, and just continue to academic support through SAS and the get it done campaign.
0: Amazing. So moving ahead, will there be similar initiatives during exam season and also in the winter term?
1: Yeah, with the success of this project, we definitely want to head out again in the winter term. Um, we'll start to take a look at this in January, and um, we're going to try to expand our reach and connect, connect with as many students as possible.
0: Okay. So in the meantime, then, uh, where should students go to look for resources and support vis-a-vis getting ready for exams?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, check out support services. Um, They can always email us at supportservices at queensu.ca and we're always able to point you in the right direction. we do know we missed some students out on our delivery last week. Um, it was a really nice day out. So we know many were out enjoying the weather, um, but we have the resources to share in a, in a PDF ready to go. So um, if they email us at supportservices@queensu.ca, we can share those resources. Um, we would love to hear from any student. Um, if you have any questions, anytime, we're always happy to help and uh, point you in the right direction.
0: Amazing. Anything else to add, Larissa?
1: No, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, opportunity to chat and share about the treat yourself. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and we look forward to learning more and hearing more about what's happening in the winter term. Maybe we can get a, see, a sweet, sweet treat <laughs> bag ourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't
1: worry. I will I will hook you up.
0: <laughs> hint, 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 hint. All right, folks, we have been talking with Larissa Mankis, the Project Lead for Support Services and Community Engagement here at Queen's University. Thank you again, Larissa. It's been a real pleasure. Welcome back, you are now listening to the Scoop. I am Dinah Jansen. The Tea Room at Queen's University has shut its doors as of November 13th and will remain closed until the end of the academic year. The Tea Room, operated by ENGSOC, otherwise known as the Engineering Society, reopened its doors on September 28th after a lengthy closure beginning in March 2020 due to COVID-19. When it reopened, the Tea Room resumed operations throughout the fall on a takeout service basis only. Engineering Society President Spencer Lee told the Queen's Journal that... The tea room operations have unfortunately become untenable because of the continuation of remote delivery of classes at Queen's Remote delivery will continue at the university through the remainder of the academic year, while winter temperatures and weather conditions provide additional challenges to the tenability of take service delivery. The journal further reported that all staff except for the head manager have been terminated, and according to Lee, processes exceeded all regulations and obligations set out in the Employment Standards Act. Lee also told the journal that the tea room will reopen as soon as it's possible. And in other news, on November 18th, the university's library system here at Queen's has expanded COVID-safe study spaces from 150 seats bookable to a maximum of 32 hours per month to 244 seats between Stauffer Library, McCory Hall, and the Education Library for up to 60 hours per month. Students are reminded that they must clean all booked areas before and after each use and that face coverings are required and physical distancing measures are in place at all three buildings. Spaces are monitored by Queen's student constables at all times. Students are required to show their student card, their booking confirmation, as well as their COVID-19 self-assessment accessible through the Queen's secure application. Students may book study space at any of the three locations by visiting library.queensu.ca.
2: Hello everyone who's listening out there. I am Jessica Somersault, Podcast Coordinator of CFRC 101.9 FM. And today we have special guests, sitting here with me on Zoom right now, is Emma Evans and Chloe Dean Moore from Accessibility Queens. Accessibility Queens is holding a fun social event for Queens students with disabilities and allies on December 3rd. Hi Emma, hi Chloe, how are you guys doing? Good, thanks, thanks for having us. Amazing. Um, to start off, um, Emma and Chloe, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves?
3: For sure. So my name's Chloe. I'm in my fourth year of biology, and I am this year's co-chair of Accessibility Queens. Um, yeah, go ahead, Emma. <laughs> my name's Emma, and I'm in my second year of an English major,
4: history minor, and I'm a committee member for Accessibility Queens this year.
2: Amazing. How did Accessibility Queens come about for you or just in general, if you know, like the history of the club?
3: Yeah, so Accessibility Queens is part of the AMS. We fall into this and um, that's kind of like the history of the club. I got involved this year um, just trying to improve accessibility rights and education advocacy on campus. And um, Emma, do you want to talk about your involvement? Sure. So I started uh, this year after hearing
4: about the club on social media and realizing from my own lived experience that it's something near and dear to my heart. Um, And I think that the club and just being a committee member has been a really awesome experience in terms of, you know, learning for accessibility on
2: campus. Amazing. That's amazing to hear. Um, How does Queen's itself accommodate for accessibility?
3: So, I can speak for Accessibility Queens. Um, we work um, with students primarily um, to impr- to direct them in the right places that they need to go to provide resources for them. A big thing for us is uh, education advocacy for students. I'm um, trying to kind of build a community um, where students with disabilities and allies can come together and we um, as for Queen's side, I know Queen's uh, Student Accessibility Services uh, does a lot of more of the technical aspects of doing accommodations and working with students in that regard academically. Um, but our focus, uh, we help clubs design accessible events. We help students get involved with different accessibility groups. So it's kind of two different avenues for accessibility.
2: That's amazing. That's amazing. So you guys work hand in hand with the university?
3: Also, yeah, we, uh, do different collaborations with the university and with different
2: student groups. It's amazing. Um, so my next question is: Does Queens need to do a better job at accommodating or even educating the community on accessibility needs awareness?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, we all have work we can do to better educate ourselves and to um, improve accessibility on campus. It, either physically, and um, you can just walk around campus and notice that so many of the buildings, so many so much of the landscape, is physically inaccessible. Yeah, and there are other. Um, different academic needs that can be um, improved or accommodated for. And I think that um, as an organization on campus, it's really important that we improve accessibility, not just so people can physically get somewhere, but that everyone on campus has the same um, opportunities to to succeed and to thrive. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Perfect. Um, So my next question is, so this event, Social for Students with Disabilities and Allies, Can you tell us more about it? What can we expect? For sure. I think
4: so. The event was was originated from a need that we felt on the committee for students with disabilities and allies to connect and uh, to uh, start to know each other. Because many of us joined the club thinking that, oh, perhaps we're the only student with that can be isolating. And if you're an ally, sometimes, as Chloe mentioned, issues of accessibility and awareness um, to to disabilities aren't always forefront uh, on our campus. And so we decided to host this event in order to bring those groups of people together, people who are interested in building awareness and accessibility but also just so that it can be a social event. As I mentioned, you know, the experience of being a student with disability on campus can be isolating, particularly now that we're in this virtual environment where we're not seeing each other every day. And so I think it's important for us to have this platform uh, where we can come together and meet each other. There'll be um, resources shared from places like the PSC, the peer support center from, as Chloe mentioned, um, student accessibility services, and even some mental health resources. also, be a lot of games, so we're doing trivia, we're doing some creative games, just to get people uh, connected with one another and with the resources that we have on campus.
2: Yeah, so it's kind of like a, a community checkup, just checking on one another, making sure that everyone's surviving or even um, seeing how they're doing in these like really harsh times of being. Yeah,
4: and our hope too is that once you have, so the Social is on December 3rd over Zoom, But our hope is that even after that, people will have made connections and will continue to talk to one another. We'll continue to use the resources that we showcase. So even if it's, you know, this is the event that's happening on Zoom, we know that the impact of that can reach far beyond the one night, let's say.
2: What are some of the resources that you're going to make known or share in this event? I know you mentioned um, PC.
4: Yeah, so the peer support center, and in particular, uh, we have members of our club who are part of peer support center CARED, which is uh, a part of the peer support center that supports students who are BIPOC um, or who have different intersectional identities. So bringing that to the forefront because we know that like the disability experience is varied and same for the experience of our allies. We're also talking about mental health resources that are available on campus because we have many in our committee and and in the community more broadly who are really aware aware of that, especially of late, and how, you know, the COVID experience can make mental health uh, be really at top of mind. Mm -hmm. So we're sharing some resources uh, that you can access directly or that you can, you know, come to our club and learn more about. And we're also talking about how to access student accessibility services, because that can sometimes be daunting. We know that the resources there on campus, and we know that it's helpful for many Queen students, but sometimes that first point of contact or first reaching out to um, QSASC can be difficult or can be a bit overwhelming so we just want to be a touch point for for students
2: kind of like a walk through to make sure that you know hey this is what we have this is how you can do this if you uh, need help or as you mentioned it's daunting it, it's a lot sometimes so it's really amazing to see that you guys are breaking it down for everyone to make sure that everyone understands and where you can find it and it's not as scary as it seems
4: yeah of course
2: yes um so My question is why is it important to have this event now?
4: I think what we are noticing, uh, so two things, firstly that you know with the experience of COVID as we mentioned being virtual can mean that you are home maybe not even on campus and in that sense not feeling as connected to the Queen's community, or even if you are in Kingston or the area, you are largely at home, largely on your computer, sometimes not even over Zoom. So the experience of of being alone can, can be really heightened in this time. And so I think it's important that we have a social event like this to bring people together. And I think also, you know, we're seeing on campus, there's this really great momentum for activism and for awareness about all kinds of different issues and experiences. And we just want to make sure that for our students who have many different identities including that of disability that we give them the opportunity to come together and and share in that momentum.
2: Yeah, CA activism. Yeah. (laughs) So another question is what are some of the accommodations that are going to be applied in this event?
4: Of course, yeah. So we have Thanks to it being a virtual event, a lot of the physical barriers to accessibility are actually not as prevalent or even not even there. So for example, if you're a student who has limited mobility or uses a mobility device, as Chloe mentioned, some of the buildings on campus aren't accessible. And so the benefit of having a virtual event is that you're able to do it from a space that is accessible to you and you don't have that barrier. This is also really helpful for students who have chronic illnesses or mental illness that makes it so that it's sometimes difficult to go outside of their own environment. And so being able to position it in a place where they can decide where to participate in the event, they can decide how to participate um, because Zoom offers flexible features for participation. I think that's really important. And then of course, uh, for students who are deaf or hard of hearing or who would benefit from captioning, we're looking into um, getting live captioning at the event
3: as well, which is really important to us.
2: that is amazing. You guys have thought of everything. Honestly, that's I have to
3: give full credit here to Emma. She's really spearheaded this project and put a lot of time and effort into making sure that it uh, suits everybody who's going to be there.
2: Oh, that's, that's honestly, I, I keep saying amazing because it is. Like, I think even last year, like this event would have been very hard to kind of um, configure together, but I mean... Zoom is something that, as you said, takes a lot of the physical barriers away. And even if you don't want to have your camera on, you can turn it off mm-hmm. and still be present in the event and still get the resources there that's being presented. So of course, amazing. yeah, you guys have thought of everything. Um, and next question I have is: allyship is so important in awareness and activism programming. What are the allies in this amazing event going to be learning?
4: I think that's a great question. So first of all, just to clarify, um, for those of you who don't know, like allies is a term that we use to describe people who might not have lived experience or personal experience with disability, but who are interested in learning about how to be effective supports, uh, and so allies. Um, And when they come to this event, you know, we hope that they're going to learn about the resources, because I think it's important that our whole community knows what's out there. Uh, And because even if you're not leveraging those resources at the moment, I think it's still good to know that they're there. Um, And then they're also going to be learning a lot about disability history and culture. In our club, that's something that's particularly important, as many of us have lived experience and have gone out and found that information for ourselves. And so we want to now take this opportunity to share that with other people. There's so.
2: Well, thank you so much, Emma and Chloe, for taking the time to talk with me today. Please don't forget to check out the Accessibility Queen's Facebook page to get caught up with any of these upcoming events, but don't miss their event on December 3rd, Social for Students with Disabilities and Allies. Thanks again, Chloe and Emma. Thanks, Jessica.
4: Uh, The disability experience.
2: Great, yeah. I think um, in order to have awareness be spread, I think it's important to also rely on allies and make sure the allies are on the same page with the advocates as well. So I think that's absolutely.
3: And I think one of the cool parts of this event is that you don't need to um, have a really strong education about um, disability awareness. If you decide that you want to be an ally, just showing up to the event is a great first step and hearing everybody else's experience. We don't expect anybody to know a lot and to be uh, leading conversations or anything. Showing up and being there is really important as well.
2: Yeah, as you said, it's the first step. Um, and my last question is, what are you guys expecting long-term t- long to come from this event, goals, hopes? I know we, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but what would you like to see for the longevity?
3: I think we touched on a lot of those throughout this interview. Um, one of the things that Emma talked a lot about was making connections. We really want to put um, people in, in connect, like or in touch with them, um, the online, setting can be challenging, not seeing people face to face, but it can also be beneficial reducing reducing barriers. So being able to um, put people in touch together and build that sense of community, even though we might not be seeing each other face to face is really important. Like Emma said, so many people might feel alone um, because of COVID-19 might feel alone because they don't feel like other people share their lived experiences. And giving people um, a platform and opportunity to come together and to share those experiences is really important. Um, We also hope to, yeah, help people become allies and um, just spread education on campus.
2: Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much, Emma and Chloe, for taking the time to talk with me today. Please don't forget to check out the Accessibility Queen's Facebook page to get caught up with any of these upcoming events. But don't miss their event on December 3rd, Social for Students with Disabilities and Allies. Thanks again, Chloe and Emma. Thanks, Jessica.
5: Here's your weekly traffic report for the week of November 20th to November 27th, brought to you by CFRC in the City of Kingston. As a part of the Love Kingston Marketplace project, some vehicle travel lanes and parking spaces downtown have been repurposed to create additional physical distancing space for pedestrians and for businesses. These are Clarence Street, where on-street parking has been repurposed to accommodate a lane shift, and Market Street, where the road is closed to vehicles on-street parking is also unavailable road closures are in place this week on colburn street from chatham to division closed to traffic until november 30th to accommodate construction staging nelson street princess to mac close 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. on November 25th to accommodate a crane hoist. Albert Street Union to Queens Crescent. Expect a lane closure until 5 p.m. on November 27th to accommodate the installation of new water, sanitary, and storm services for the new Queens residents. Glengarry Portsmouth to Indian. Expect short delays on a possible lane closure. Gore Road. McLean to Grenadier. Expect lane closures 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. November 23rd to 26 to accommodate a sanitary sewer tie-in. Grenadier Drive at Win- Winfield Crescent. Expect delays while construction takes place around the Kingston East Community Center site. Flag people will be on site to direct traffic. Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard. Expect delays due to construction to improve drainage. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Highway 15 north of Sand Hill. Expect to experience delays due to lane closures until November 1, 2021 as crews replace a culvert. Please follow the direction of flaggers. Jackson Mills Road, near the KNP Trail. reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but it remains open in both directions. John Counter Boulevard, Princess to Indian. Expect delays until summer of 2021 while crews construct a new four-lane road and rail overpass. Kingscourt area, Victoria, Ruskin, Kingscourt, Carlton, Hillcrest, and Fergus. Expect local traffic disruptions and minor detours. The lining of the sewers will extend into late fall. Portsmouth Avenue, Glengarry to Princess, and Glengarry, Portsmouth to Indian. Expect short delays. In a possible lane closure until November 20th. Princess Street, Collins Bay Road to Baxter, reduced to one lane in either direction 8am to 6pm daily until december 4th to accommodate the widening of princess street and construction of turn lanes onto creekside valley drive please observe the direction of flaggers and note that traffic may be rerouted onto westbrook and woodbine roads during this time union street calling wood to albert closed from 7 a.m to 5 p.m on november 23rd to november 26th to allow for excavation for a water service connection water main rehabilitation until mid-November, expect local traffic disruptions and minor detours in Collins Bay and Bay Ridge areas as a contractor completes neighborhood restoration on the behalf of Utilities Kingston. And that's it for your weekly traffic report. For traffic and other news updates, visit www.cfrc.ca slash news. Have a great day, folks.